I have to admit that I feel a little silly talking about John Milton in front of this learned group of people. And I beg your indulgence. John Milton was a 17th century poet and civil servant for the Commonwealth of England under, oddly enough, Oliver Cromwell. And by the time he was 48 years old, Milton was totally blind. It's believed that he had glaucoma or bilateral detached retinas, compounded by reading too much by candlelight as a boy. In a sonnet known by several titles, Sonnet 19, On His Blindness, or When I Consider How My Light Is Spent, Milton reflected on his situation. When I consider how my light is spent, ere half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent which is death to hide lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker and present my true account, lest he returning chide. Doth God exact day labor, light denied, I fondly ask? But patience, to prevent that murmur, soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts. Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding speed and post o'er land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait. That one talent which is death to hide is a direct reference to the parable in today's gospel reading. But Milton is not referring to his writing. He was able to dictate many works after he lost his sight. No, he's referring more to his day job, which was that of, get this title, Secretary of Foreign Tongues, which was a government position in which he translated letters, documents, and correspondence for the government, mostly into Latin. And losing his sight caused him to lose that talent. And so he consoled himself with the famous line, they also serve who only stand and wait. Loosely translated, I think Milton was trying to say, we all have a place in this world and we all perform a function regardless of our ability or disability. In last week's gospel, we heard the story of the ten virgins who were waiting upon the return of the bridegroom. When he finally came, the five who had worked and prepared were ready, and the other five who hadn't anticipated the delay were caught short. This week we hear the parable of the talents, in which there is also a time of waiting for the return of the master. In today's parable, the third servant takes what he thinks is the safest option. He basically does nothing with what's been given to him. He stands and waits, but he doesn't serve. 
He doesn't lose what is entrusted to him, but he doesn't do anything with it either. He hides it so that it will be protected for its return to the master at some later time. When the master returns, the servant is cast into the outer darkness to weep and gnash his teeth at his poor choice. St. Peter's is in a time of waiting, and I don't just mean waiting for Advent to get here. This interim period is and has been challenging in many ways. So in this time of waiting, let us not fall into the trap of fearful thinking. Oh gosh, Terry's been gone for over four months now and we still don't have a clue about a rector. Oh dear. What if we get someone like you-know-who? Oh, wow, that budget number the vestry told us about is a whole lot bigger than I thought it would be. What will we do? Nor let us fall into the trap of just standing around and waiting and not really trying. Maybe we should just do nothing for now. Just hold what we've got, kind of tread water and see what happens. We've all done this. I've been guilty of it. Before I entered my discernment, when I thought I heard God's call, I denied what it was for three years. This couldn't be right. Me? No way, man. I'm not cut out to be clergy material. I couldn't be worthy of this. We might think that our talents, whatever they are, aren't good enough or important enough or won't have enough impact. So there's no use in even bringing them up. But that's just not true. And don't you believe it for a minute. There's an old saying, God doesn't want extraordinary people to do extraordinary things nearly so much as He wants ordinary people to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. And sometimes we also choose to kind of bury our faith, our relationship with God, even the gospel itself, or at least tuck it away into some hidden place and just take it out on Sundays or in emergency situations. But the danger there is that old problem of if you don't use it, you lose it. Everyone has some talent, some gift, come from God. If you don't know what it might be for you, ask someone who knows you well. They will know and can help you see it. And then let that talent loose on the world. Don't just bring it to church on Sunday. Don't hide it. 
Keep it honed and ready for use in the service of others and of God. Let your whole life be affected, changed, transformed by living out your baptism, by responding every day to the call of God. There's a story from long ago about one of the desert fathers from early, early Christianity. When people were driven by faith into the wilderness to live with very little material comfort, but with tremendous spiritual riches. One day a young monk came to Abba Joseph and asked him what more he could do. Since he was already doing some fasting and some praying and some work, mostly weaving baskets, And the holy man responded, the story goes, by raising his hands and fire shot from his fingers as he responded to the young man with this great challenge. Why not become totally fire? This story may stir our spirits, but how well does it describe the faith of our congregation and sometimes the whole church? Are we going along, doing some fasting and some praying and some basket weaving, but not becoming totally fire? Is our faith life more about safety and reassurance and security? Or is it about risk-taking and openness and courage and the unimaginable abundance to which those virtues lead? Have we ever even thought of those things as virtues? Are we willing to let the gospel loose in the world? Are we willing to be part of that blessing in the world? We've got that opportunity right now in this time of waiting. This church is not the rector or the deacons or the staff. This church is each and every one of you together. Whether you've been here your whole life or if you just walked in the door this morning, your presence here is a valuable gift. Your power as a congregation is remarkable. I've seen it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't hide it. Don't discount it as unimportant or not enough. Give it freely as it was given to you. If the parable of the talents tells us anything, it's that we can take radical risks that Jesus calls for in the gospel, praying for our enemies, refusing vengeance, forgiving extravagantly, and loving one another as He loves us.